You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome, everybody, to a very sexy, very special episode of Life's a Banquet podcast, a show about all things edible, spreadable, pourable. Nicole, don't make that face me just because it's late. Don't forget, this is the Valentine's Day episode. I Sexy, slippery Valentine's episode with me, your host, Cupid the Angel. And me, I don't know, a candy heart. <laughs> Ah, uh, be mine, Nicole. Be mine. How are oh, I you? Wanna be, I want to be one of those dub dark chocolate hearts with the little sayings inside, like, take a bubble bath. <laughs> <laughs> take it off, says the candy. Um, that's much better than a conversation heart, which we all know are poison. Yeah, they're pretty gross. Although yeah. I saw some lady wearing a necklace made out of them. Not the real ones, but like, you know, fake ones. And it was kind of cute, too. That is cute. Do you remember the episode that we did? I think it must have been last year, but perhaps the year before, because the show has been on the air for 1,700 years. <laughs> Longer than Murder, She Wrote. America's longest running television show, Life's a Banquet podcast. Um, we did an episode on edible underwear, and then I believe that uh, in the edible underwear kind of zeitgeist, there was also... Um, a pair of edible candy necklace underwear. Ew. Do you remember those? No. Crunchy. Like, what? Crunchy. crunchy. A lot of crunching yes. to do around mm-hmm. Yeah, the You couldn't really have like secret sex if you're eating that because everyone would hear you. <laughs> do you remember this is like really turning on into a tangent, Bill. But do you remember when you we were kids? Um... <laughs> Back in in BC times when like lifesavers, like if you put a minty lifesaver in your mouth and it was like nighttime and you would crunch it, it would make like a colorful spark. That's still true. Yeah, I know, but I just haven't done it in a long time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why is that? Um, I guess lifesavers are also poison. Hmm. Who would have thunk it? Seems dangerous to eat something that makes a spark. I remember when I got because I actually am from before Christ times, we would get little Christmas time, like books and you mm-hmm. open up the book and it was filled with lifesavers. Oh, wow. So like, you know, a bunch of little, like, and that was the only time that you could ever get the tangerine flavor. Oh, good. Because it's not in the normal pack. And that was my favorite flavor. I'm going to say something that I know you're going to have a problem with, but I don't <laughs> care. I like, butterscotch lifesavers that's fine I, I was just about to say it's funny to think about how you're giving children hard candy because it's the 80s but now yeah. and I was just so excited to have some kind of sugar sure uh, eat all of them even the gross ones <laughs> but now the thought of eating a lifesaver it just makes me be like eh, I don't, would not probably eat one well I like 
and this is welcome to the Lifesaver cast. You thought there was a podcast about everything, folks. Well, welcome to our newly updated all Lifesaver all the time podcast. I liked the tropical fruit Lifesavers that had kind of like an opaque pineapple one. <clears throat> they had like the creamy ones. They were like, Ew. yeah, they had like, they weren't cream savers. No, I don't know. They had like a pina colada flavor that was tucked in there with all the other clear flavors. And there was like a cantaloupe one that was also kind of like opaque. It was like triple layer jello, but lifesavers. Huh. I don't remember. First of all, triple layer jello was not tropical flavored. It was different strawberry flavors. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I think maybe that was post my lifesaver experience. I don't know. I don't remember this. You were out of lifesaver. That was after your lifesaver period. That was when, the, yeah, my parents must have been either these books are too expensive. These kids are too old for hard candy. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Well, folks, hello. Happy Valentine's Day next Happy year. <laughs> Valentine's Day. Well, yeah, well, we wanted to, because I think everyone is always really sad when Valentine's Day is over. So we wanted to keep the celebration going and celebrate it one week later. Um, We're going to celebrate because, all month long. Yeah. For us, it's a whole month's worth because it is my favorite holiday. Um, just kidding. I don't observe Valentine's Day, but, um, you don't, I don't observe it. No, it's so stupid. You know what? I know that like everybody says that and I certainly don't have like expectations on Valentine's Day, nor would I ever want to like do something like really romantic and serious. You know what I mean? But (laughs) I do think that Valentine's Day is perfectly cute. I don't like it, especially from the restaurant perspective. It's the most annoying day of the year. Um, I mean, yes. I mean, at, at Brucey, I thought it was rather fun. Don't know. Well, yeah, it was, I mean, okay, fine. Shut up. But like, so. <laughs> don't know if you remember that. <laughs> okay, whatever. But it was still annoying. Like, we had to plan for yeah. it forever and like no, no. get all these fucking seatings in, and then people would be like, um, but like, from a normal perspective, if you just want to go out to dinner for no particular reason on that day, it's impossible. Um, although the restaurant I work for did not have any reservations on that day. So that's like, we didn't make anything. We don't you didn't do anything special. No, we had a private dinner that you could book upstairs, but there was oh. nothing special at our restaurant in particular. Do you think that in this post COVID world that we're moving away from Valentine's day? <laughs> no, because every other restaurant in town had something going on. Even like the oh. metal burger joint. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) COVID didn't change anything. It just made everything worse. It didn't take Mm -hmm. away Valentine's Day or like expensive apartments or the ruling class. It it just, it made everything 10 times worse, huh? Yes, truly. Capitalism is a scourge still. (laughs) I don't know. It's not so bad. (laughs) Whatever. My drinking water is contaminated. (laughs) I think capitalism is kind of, kind of cute. Um, is your drinking water contaminated from the train crash? Well, I'm in the map of groundwater contamination. Yeah, but allegedly it's safe. But who can you trust? I mean, literally no one. And I think we should just take a moment here to encourage our one listener or anyone else who might be (laughs) tuning into the show. This uh, Norfolk Southern train crash getting essentially no coverage in the press it's one of the worst ecological disasters to happen in this country since the Exxon Valdez and it's a human rights 
uh, crisis as well, because people are being exposed to toxic chemicals uh, in favor of capitalism. So um, educate yourselves. You don't know about it. It's very fucked up. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. I have a coworker who's so scared of drinking the water that she's having nightmares about it. Um, yeah. Then what do you do? Support Nestle and buy bottled water? Or, or do you just drink water from the Get tap? a Berkey. Get a what? Get a Berkey filter. I don't know what that is. It's a water filter. However, it's expensive and no one should be forced to buy a $300 water filter so they can drink $300? That's fucked up. I know, it's terrible. Um, yeah, it's really... It's really bad. And like, this is what happens when people fucking union bust. And by people, I mean Joe Biden. Um, yeah. He really is into that. It's like, loves his union person. busting. Well, he also loves protecting certain companies from environmental laws so they don't have to spend any money to like be safe. Totally. And like, the fact that all this could have been avoided if only uh, we were willing to let rail workers have paid sick leave um yes you know um but you know what it's really fucked up i don't think that they can afford to give it to them they're a small business yeah totally small business like that's why i don't get paid sick leave at my job you know that's fine it's totally fine totally fine small business saturday (laughs) happy valentine's day everyone you have liver cancer now thank you very much thanks i do Thanks for nothing. Actually, it's really interesting. The other day, I reposted a tweet from uh, this leftist guy who um, was Gross. the tweet was just like, "There's a death plume, the literal death plume uh, over East Palestine, Ohio, right now, and nobody's covering it." Blah, blah blah. And it got taken down by Instagram as fake news, and the reasoning was saying it's fake news. There is no death plume. <laughs> it's a life plume. <laughs> it's yeah. a celebration of life plume. Life finds a way. Eventually, we'll all just become like weird mutants because they're. We have to. We'll still survive, but we're gonna look really not cute. Life finds a way. Anyway, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. This is an uplifting episode. Happy VD, as I like to call it. Sure. Um. Yeah. So I'm gonna speed through here because I was late to the podcast today. Um, I just want to mention quickly that mm-hmm. Ben and Jen got in a fight at the Grammys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you saw that, right? <laughs> this is all of based course. on like, a facial expression. I have face. a hose. <laughs> don't I? <laughs> it's all, it's very similar to the slap heard around the world for don't worry, darling. Um, but, um, the spit. Oh yeah, the, the spit. Sorry. Spit. I forgot, I mean, um, the spit heard around the world. And then, <laughs> But it's just based on like two facial expressions, but whatever. Despite this argument, they are still married and got matching tattoos of the infinity symbol with their names in it. So the ugliest, ugliest tattoos. I have to ask you a question (laughs) about Ben and Jen, which is Benjen, Benjen, which I didn't, I don't know why I've waited so long to bring this up. Have you seen that Instagram she posted? It's like of the two of them cuddling, but with like a little baby kid voice over it. And it's like, I knew that I found my perfect person. Ew, and no. I look, <laughs> send it to you later. It's so Even though I spend all of my disturbing. time researching Ben and Jen, I've literally never been to either one of their Instagram accounts. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to send this to you after we get off because I thought it was like a weird 
thing that somebody else made up, but it's her. She posted it and it is like so, so disturbing. We will, we'll post it to our Instagram so everybody can become frightened okay. by it. Great. I love that. Okay. So I chose for this VD, um, I think everyone's favorite topic and definitely food related. Um, and that is the most infamous mob hit in history, a.k.a. the Valentine's Day Massacre. Are you ready? Ready, yes. Great, because there's no time to waste. Okay, So great. this uh, this VD massacre happened in Chicago in the 20s, so pretty recent and <laughs> um, yeah. pretty relevant, I would say. Um, and essentially in the 20s, there were two Chicago gangs. The Northside Irish Gang, run by Bugs Moran. Bugs is not his real first name, but I forgot to look up what it is. <laughs> it's his favorite food. <laughs> um, yes, high protein. Um, and then the other gang member, or the other gang, was the Southside Italian Gang, run by Al Capone, of course. Um, the two gangs did not get along. They were not buddies. They were not friends. They would shoot each other all the time. They're trying to gain control of the city. Um, there have been lots of movies and documentaries about this. This is basically a time when they're just like literally just driving around and shooting each other with machine guns all the time and also killing random other people. <laughs> so we're just like walking by. And the people were like, um, cops, can you please make these people stop shooting machine guns outside my school? Mm-hmm. And the cops make- were like, ah, we are incompetent. Um, make America so- great again. so yeah the violence was escalating um and then sort of what people think is like sort of the ramping up moment was in september 1926 bugs's gang drove by a motel it was a hotel where al capone was staying and they shot or as they like to say in this article sprayed 1000 bullets into the building (laughs) that's a lot of spray yeah um, Capone lived, but we must assume that many civilians did not. <laughs> sure. That's a safe assumption. I'm going to stop you right here for a second because mm. something just popped into my head. Yes. One of my all-time favorite cost movies, The Untouchables. Mm. Great movie. Have you seen it? Obviously you've seen it. I don't know if I've seen it. Oh, Brian De Palma directs, huh. um, uh, Robert De Niro plays Al Capone, which is a strange, um, pairing and uh because he doesn't really look like Al Capone but anyway he, he does a good job he's okay and he's fine. Kevin Costner is Elliot Ness it's great oh right yeah no I haven't seen it I should watch that yeah it's really a, a great movie um okay that's all you just thought of that movie yeah I just wanted to say something that I remembered <laughs> <laughs> okay so on September oh wait no that happened they sprayed a thousand bullets in the building Al Capone lived and then Bugs put a $50,000 reward on Capone's head. And then Capone was allegedly like, hell no, dude, that's fucked up. If you're going to put a reward on my head, I'm going to be mad about that. (laughs) Um, Because we don't know what he actually thought. Um, So in the weeks leading up to the massacre, Moran was working on a shipment of stolen Canadian whiskey. So most of the fighting was about bootlegging at that time because it was the 20s. Um, so yeah, his warehouse was, his operation was run out of the SMC Cartage Company garage on Clark Street in Chicago. Um, Capone knew that location, um, probably knew 
sort of their hours of operation um, because he looked on Yelp. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) how famous Yelper. So yeah, so the thing is like nobody, this massacre remains unsolved, but most people think that Capone was behind it. Um, And it seems like he probably was. So at 10.30 a.m. on February 14th, 1929, four men approached the warehouse at 2122 North Clark Street, if you want to go visit it. Um, Two were dressed as police officers, a cab, and the other two were dressed as civilians. And then the driver wore a chinchilla and gray fedora, which later we will wonder how they know that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That sounds soft. Yes, very soft and very weird. Um, Okay. There were six men in the warehouse at the time. Five were gang members, and one was Reinhardt Schwimmer, David Schwimmer's dad, who was an optometrist. I'm waiting to say that. <laughs> Since I wrote this down 10 minutes ago. Um, David Schwimmer's dad was an optometrist who just liked to hang out with gangsters, um, which I think is really weird. Like, I didn't know that you could just like be a non-gangster and like just like hang out with gangsters if you're like a square optometrist loser, but. <laughs> Who knows? Um, there was also a German shepherd named Highball hanging out there. Wow. <laughs> this is a crew. <laughs> um, the four men waiting outside got the signal when a businessman, a nightclub owner, walked into the warehouse, making the total number of people inside seven. Um, they move inside. Nobody knows what happened. But um, for whatever reason, all seven of the people inside quietly lined up against the wall, as they were told. Um, and their backs were to the four dudes and then they opened fire with Tommy guns, which are called Thompson submachine guns in real life. I didn't know that. Whoa, um, but basically they're shooting nonstop with machine guns at them at close range and a 12 gauge shotgun. <laughs> and everybody lived. Um, no, they all perished. One highball did survive though. Oh, um, thank God. The... Yeah, so the killers just, like, killed everyone and walked out. One dude did live. Um, he had 14 bullet wounds in his body when they found him. And they were like, hey, man, who shot you? And he was like, nobody shot me. And they were like, okay. And then he died. <laughs> He's like a German <laughs> shepherd wearing a chinchilla coat. <laughs> so Texas. because everyone perished, nobody knows exactly what happened, including what the driver would have been wearing. So I, that's why I'm like, how do you know what he was wearing? If that's nobody a good survived. Um. Capone at the time was in a Florida courthouse, so whatever. That doesn't mean anything. You know, he still could have been the mastermind behind it. Um, Bugs Moran was likely the target. He actually was supposed to be there, but he showed up late to work that day, which is setting a bad example for his staff, but whatever. (laughs) Um, He showed up late. He saw cop cars outside. He decided not to go to work. He thought it was a raid. He didn't know that all seven of his men had been killed. Um, And... Basically, the hit was sort of a success because after that, Moran's power was weakened. Um, he didn't really, he just wasn't able to recover from it. Um, and the wall that everyone was shot against is on display at the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. If you want to go check it out. Um, and then, yeah, so basically Al Capone was never prosecuted for this eventually like in like 1935 some other dude was like yeah i was part of it i was i was in capone's gang all these like evidence like basically it seems like more than likely 
it was him. Um, but when that guy confessed to all that stuff, the FBI didn't do anything, most likely because everyone that he was talking about was dead. Mm. Um, but yeah, Capone got away with it. But, you know, then his brain rotted from syphilis, so he didn't really get away with it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, and also, did you watch Boardwalk Empire? Loved it. I like the guy who played Al Capone in that. That's all I, I was to just going to say that, actually, when I think about, like, Al Capone, who I think looks most like him. That guy is a great Al Capone. He's yeah, perfect. He Robert really De Niro, not a good Al Capone, really. No. I mean, he's a professional actor. I know, but he doesn't, like, really look like him. That's the problem. You yeah. don't have to just be Italian. You have to kind of also <laughs> look like the person. I mean, he did a good job. There's some movies where I think Robert De Niro does isn't, like, the greatest actor. Correct. Like He's, Cape uh, Fear? Possibly hyped, overhyped. Oh, I love Cape Fear, though. Love I just Cape bought, Fear so I much. just bought the thriller novel that it's based on and can't wait to read it. Oh, really? Is it Stephen mm-hmm. King? No. It's, it's not. Like, no, because the original movie of Cape Fear was made in, like, the 60s or something. Oh, right, 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 right. That's true. Um, Cape Fear is an amazing movie. It's a, it's a perfect movie. But Robert De Niro's accent is shocking. <laughs> Yeah. It's shocking. It's like Cajun accent. I'm like, I don't even understand mm, how yeah. you got this part. But and also kind- how you got this part. I don't think he had to audition for it. <laughs> I don't understand it. And I also kind of feel the same way about him in The Untouchables, although that's also a great movie. And I love Robert yeah. De Niro. I have no opinion about Robert De Niro, but I also think that Juliette Lewis is acting in that movie is like just so bizarre. Yeah, it's really strange, but you know who fucking steals the show? Nick motherfucking Nolte. Totally. Nick Nolte. That is his movie. Cape Fear is amazing. And also Robert De Niro clinging to the bottom of the car. Yeah, I was just thinking of that scene. Unforgettable scene. Who directed that? Unforgettable scene. I think that's uh, also Brian De Palma. It's either De Palma or Scorsese. I think it's Scorsese. Yeah, it is. Um, And... There's a parody of it on The Simpsons where Sideshow Bob follows them. Absolutely. It's one of the greatest clinging episodes. to the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. It's... And then Bart gets away from him killing him on the boat by making him sing the entire USS Minnow <laughs> oh, yeah. opera or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so good. Oh, my God. I love The Simpsons. I haven't watched that show in forever. Okay. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with my part of this episode. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. And 
guess what, folks? And just like that, we're back. And I'm doing the story of Sex in the City. Just kidding. I wouldn't do that too. Because I've been watching Sex in the City. <laughs> I've been watching the original Sex in the City. Again, just because I have, I have just hit a dead end of content. I can't watch anything else. Or like, you know what I started rewatching? Also what? in a rewatching phase um, is Mad Men. I knew you were going to say that Mary's yeah. also rewatching Mad Men. I've watched Mad Men, like not exaggerating, like eight times. I, I don't know if I can watch Mad Men again. Like, yeah, you know, I, know. I will definitely, but not right now. Yeah. I think that that's how I feel about SATC. I've just seen it so much that like, there is no episode anymore that I'm not going to be like, Oh yeah, I know what happens. Right. I haven't rewatched it from start to finish in a long time. And this will come as a surprise to no one, including myself, although I still do find myself surprised, even though I know this. It is so terrible and so not like, I mean, it's not really actually a very good show or well-written, but and I mean, it's iconic, obviously, and there's things I love about it, but it is so inappropriate, like, and not just for today, like forever. Well, so when the new one came out, people were writing about this very thing. Um, And the thing is, is like, they're like, well, it's just like, it's just iconic. They're like, if you rewatch it and like, think about like the, they're like, it just was of that time or whatever. Um, Yeah, that's true. That's that's true. The whole thing is like, it was, there were no shows where completely all the characters were women, you know, all the main characters. Right. And of course, course that's the part right and we have to kind of take progress for where it was and yeah openly talking about sex in that way too so yeah and still being considered like sexy or whatever um but yeah and i'll yeah but also then you know the rest of it is cringy and carrie is a bitch (laughs) carrie is a terrible terrible person and (laughs) I watched an episode the other day where Samantha, I completely forgot about this, but pours hot food out her window onto black trans sex workers. Oh, yeah. I'm <laughs> just like, um. But then at the end, they all make up and have a rooftop party. Yes, where Carrie pretends to be Puerto Rican um, for a moment. Oh, God, I forgot about that part. Yes, it is so <laughs> unbelievable. But her outfit is perfect, though. She's wearing those short shorts. She looks great. That's true. Okay, let's move on. It makes me feel so (laughs) uncomfortable, almost as uncomfortable as like the overcorrection in the new season where everyone has a person of color as a best friend and and Che Diaz. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's Che Diaz. Did Che mention me at the podcast? Valentine's Day, I want to talk about something that I spend an awful lot of time thinking about. That's right. The best and worst foods to eat on a date. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I thought you were doing something else. (laughs) No, this is what I'm doing. No. No, this is what I'm doing. (laughs) No, this is what I'm doing. So love it or leave it alone. So I got... Okay, well, I wrote a whole article about this for something that we did together. So you're sort of cheating on me. That's true. You did. We we wrote that thing about um, for Lenny Letter. Yes. 
Right. But this is not as funny intentionally, although it's <laughs> funny accidentally. So I've perused the internet for some of the dumbest listicles of best Yay. and worst, sexiest foods and what you should not <laughs> eat on a date. And here are some of the things I found that made me LOL. So we're going to begin here from Glamour in an article by Jenna Kaufman. Now, Jenna says, this is called the sexiest and least sexy foods to eat on a date. Now, this really made me giggle. I don't know why, but I have a strange sense of humor. So with Memorial Day officially kicking off the season of barbecues and popsicles, it seem, I know it seems like a good time to talk about when eating on a date is sexy and when it is not. Oh my God, thank God, because I've always wondered. I know. So this woman <laughs> suggests what, to me, seems to be the most psychotic thing you could ever do, first date or otherwise. She says, despite its connotations as a breakup food, uh, ice cream is obviously the cutest date food. No, it's not. If you have it on a cone, it's going to get everywhere. Okay, exactly. Is she talking about in a rom-com montage or in real life? I'm not sure, but what she goes on to suggest, folks, I'm going to go ahead and put a warning on this. I, at Life's a Banquet, we do not suggest you do this. Besides that, it's so delicious. It led to my aforementioned suggestion of going on an ice cream crawl. No, that's going to be diarrhea. <laughs> Folks. And that, one, I don't know, I don't know if that's sexy or not, because I don't know which is sexier and which is not. She's going to tell me, but mm. I, my personal, I-M-H-O, I don't think diarrhea is sexy. I don't want no kink shame, but. Yeah. Diarrhea doesn't feel sexy to me either. A crawl implies at least three, right? <laughs> I would think six. So six? One, Jesus. one ice cream, one small ice cream is like a half a pint of ice cream, right? Right. So six scoops of ice cream later, <laughs> you're everyone's in <laughs> wanting to make out. Everyone's going to want a French. <laughs> exactly. So just consider this as um, dangerous and might send you into a diabetic coma. Avoid <laughs> this. This is bad. Okay. Then she says, Oysters, totally cliche for a reason. They look sexual. The act of eating them is sexual. And they are supposed to be an aphrodisiac. It just works. It sure does. <laughs> um, I think then, you should do that right after the ice cream crawl. Exactly. <laughs> just get a dozen oysters. <laughs> yeah, she means you should do this all on the day. Um, then she goes, says, fruits. There's a reason why the phrase is forbidden fruit, not forbidden fajita. Well, that's because of the Bible. I don't know if she knows that. She's well, probably not. Yeah, a she goes, okay, fajitas were not a popular dish in biblical times, but you get my point. Juicy fruits like mangoes and watermelons, aphrodisiac. That's it. That's where the sentence ends. Watermelons are? Yeah. And then okay, she but goes, spaghetti, but only if you're dogs. For humans, this will inevitably end in a marinara soaked disaster. <laughs> What's she talking about? Are we having sex on the dinner table? Yeah, I got a marinara soaked disaster. <laughs> is she saying that I'm bad at cooking? I know. How dare this woman? Also, this is a date. I'm not going to be cooking anything. Do you think that the chef is going to drop a bucket of marinara sauce on this? <laughs> I know. And like a reenactment of Carrie? <laughs> it's completely obscene. So then I went to your favorite web, your favorite website, um, menshealth.com, which is I where... I love that website. Yeah, in an article written by Conchetta Smith, January 24th, 2017. Picture it. 
Conchetta says the number one worst food to eat on a date is, and I don't care for this answer, Conchetta, lasagna. Whoa, shots fired. Yeah. I'll never is it because per- of the opportunity for a marinara soaked disaster? Yes. She <laughs> goes on to say a marinara soaked disaster could happen. <laughs> um, I always think of the story our friend told us when they were trying to like get something back from a one night stand they had and they met the person for coffee and the person ordered lasagna and it came out and it was bubbling hot and scared scared the person who ordered it. Wow. Oh, and yeah, oh dating God. is a cruel, cruel thing. Totally. <clears throat> so Conchetta says, thinking about gorging on a big plate of pasta, avoid doing this on a date unless you're prepared to take a nap. <laughs> First of all, I'm always prepared to take a nap. <laughs> exactly. Especially Second if you're boring. What the so are these people in the year 2017 still advocating for me having one slice of lettuce in my date? Yes, that's <laughs> so right. So that I don't I don't appear as though I eat very much. Yeah, don't appear like you like things that literally everyone else in the whole world likes, like lasagna. A large helping of carbs can bring on fatigue, spiking (laughs) you up and then rapidly pulling you back down. We need carbs, but a lot of high-processed carbs can make you feel sluggish. Okay, so I should just have like a keto meal? Exactly. Also, she goes on to say, secondly, garlic bread. Most of us know that garlic can cause bad breath, but it can also cause pungent body odor. What? Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Body, B-O, body odor. Yikes. Mm-hmm. So you're napping and you smell. That's the worst. <laughs> exactly. You're asleep <laughs> and you smell. Brussels sprouts, number three. These tiny cruciferous cabbages contain insoluble fiber, otherwise known <laughs> as roughage. Although they're packed with nutrients, the fibrous leaves are indigestible. Eating too many of them can cause intense gas. So picture it. <laughs> intense. Intense. Here you are just trying to enjoy your delicious meal of garlic bread, lasagna, and Brussels sprouts. And all <laughs> now you're sleeping, you're farting, and you smell. And you're expecting a um, person to still fall in love with you. Ridiculous. Love is blind, people. Okay. Also, don't eat chili. Number four. <laughs> Imagine. Ever? <laughs> Never. Because I had some yesterday. Uh-oh. Um, whoa. That's why I'm single. <laughs> exactly. You're having too much chili. That's your problem. You got to get off the chili. Cut it out. Okay, Cut that chili out of your life. Um, to be completely honest, it does seem funny to like go out to a restaurant on a first date and order a bowl of chili. But if you want to, <laughs> you should. But you don't find chili at a lot of restaurants, at least in the Northeast. Oh, you can find chili here, no problem. You can find chili at a restaurant there. Okay. I mm-hmm. it's hard to find chili here though. A bowl of chili. I wish it wasn't so hard. I would order chili right now. I'm hungry. I bet if you looked hard enough, you could find it. You just don't ever think about it when you're going out to dinner. That's true. Okay, number five. A burrito. <laughs> ah burrito. It says a burrito. A substantial dose of high fiber foods like refried beans and burritos can wreak havoc on your digestive tract. Refried beans? Are you talking about a Taco Bell burrito? I mean, yeah. I don't know. (laughs) And also the photo of the one they have doesn't have any beans. It has like potatoes in it. A breakfast burrito? Yeah, it looks like a breakfast burrito. Um, Number six, and this seems strange, chocolate cake. What is the problem? Well, the author says date night isn't cake night. (laughs) 
Excuse what are you talking about? Has she ever been to a Valentine's Day dinner I know. at a this, restaurant? There's person, always chocolate cake. This person's never seen a romantic comedy in their life. Um. Anyway, she says that it'll cause acid reflux, so avoid it. Um, what? Should, I don't even get acid reflux, Miss. <clears throat> I know. Or conchetta. I don't know. Yeah. Person. You. Sugar-free gum. Apparently, it causes you to fart. Okay. Now, so I'm eating garlic bread. I have bad breath, and I can't even. I have to chew sugar full gum, which doesn't even exist. Yes, exactly. Like bubble yum. (laughs) Now, she says what you should eat is a piece of grilled salmon. (laughs) (laughs) Grilled salmon. Grilled salmon. No problem. I'll go to Bonefish Grill. Yeah, it's hard to like go out to eat. And like, I mean, maybe this is not this way everywhere. But again, in New York, two things that I think are actually hard to find at a restaurant. Piece of grilled salmon. And chili, a bowl of chili. What's wrong with pan-seared salmon or raw salmon? I know. That's much easier. Grilled salmon? I mean, I guess I'll get in my time machine and go back to 1996. Yeah. A beet salad, she suggests, is good. Okay. Because it increases the oxygen to your blood. (laughs) The beets do or the... Okay, fine, whatever. The beets. (laughs) Give me a beat. Um, sushi, also good. I have to agree. I think sushi is a good first date food. Yeah. Well, I don't like to go out to dinner for a first date. It's too much pressure. Mm. Just go out for one drink. And then if we still like each other, we'll Completely agree. <laughs> I would never in my fucking life go out to dinner with somebody, especially if it was like an internet date or something. Right. And then last but not least, everyone's favorite food, poultry. Yes. Poultry is a safe bet. It's tasty and nutritious and lean, and it's easy to digest, and it pairs well with any side dish. <laughs> but not Brussels sprouts. Exactly. Or garlic bread. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Now, <clears throat> 16 date foods ranked from Cosmopolitan. Number 16. Oh it goes from worst to best. Fast food. Classes. This is appropriate, totally appropriate in one or two very specific instances. Drunk fourth meal is one of them. I don't know what that really means. But beginning the night with fast food, no good. You will never find love at the bottom of a serving of fast food chili, again with the anti-chili propaganda. Huh, I think we're going to Wendy's for our fast food date. Interesting. I know. So molecular gastronomy, um, they say no. What year was this written? I have no idea. The idea of turning fish to foam with carbon dioxide is interesting, but the idea of choking it down on a first date is nasty. Sorry, hashtag science. Okie dokie. They say no to vegan health food. They say, this is very racist, they say no to soul food. Not even going to read why it's too What if you're vegan? What are you supposed to eat? Mm. You can't Vegan fast food? Hmm? You can't eat any vegan food and you can't eat soul food. Um, and now to continue the racism and anti-Semitism, you can't eat Jewish food. It says Jewish and or ba- diner food. Bagels are bad for No, she's, this author says it's the best and everyone loves matzo ball soup, but other meals are an acquired taste. If your date's not Jewish, 
You might spend half of dinner explaining that, yes, a weird hybrid fish log sounds gross, but it's actually delicious with horseradish. <laughs> also, um, physically impossible for lovers to romantically feed each other pastrami on rye with schmear. <clears throat> this person is not a Jew because you don't schmear no. pastrami and rye. Also, if people think that they're in New York City and they're going on a date with people who don't know what Jewish food is, that's so stupid. Agreed. Now, it just continues to get worse and worse. Indian food is a no. Um, it makes people have an upset stomach, this person says. And uh, a less adventurous guy might not appreciate it like an open-minded foodie. <laughs> what the fuck? What year was this? I have 1984? No <laughs> I have no idea. Um... And a then, foodie. <laughs> you only like Indian food if you're a foodie. Exactly. She goes on to say no to Mexican food, no to Chinese food. Um, and she says Chinese food is no because, quote, I'm going out with a hot person that I want to be my best self with. So we're going to go roll around in a huge vat of grease for an hour, exclaimed I nobody. I don't think that that's what you should do. I think you should eat Chinese food at a restaurant. <laughs> right. Chinese food is the ideal long-term relationship dinner because you already heard the other person's fart. Okay. You might as well show up to the date with a wig made of low mane and make ghost noises. <clears throat> what the hell? Yeah. Um, no to pub food, no to Asian fusion. Then she says yes to French. Okay. Yes to Thai. Why Thai and not Chinese? <clears throat> I don't know. Yes to Vietnamese. Yes to Vietnamese. Yes to New American, Japanese. And number one, she says, that's okay, is Italian. You know, it's interesting. In my article, I wrote no to Vietnamese because eating a banh mi is impossible to do while also looking sexy. <laughs> she says yes because banh mi sandwiches are a fantastic combination of adventurous and reliable. But they're spraying crumbs everywhere. And you have to open your mouth wider than you've ever opened it in front of a stranger. And she says, yeah, that's true. She says slathering sriracha all over the place is basically foreplay. This person is freaky. She is in... Okay, yeah. So anyway, that's what I've got. Um, and I think maybe we should say our best and worst foods on a date. Top three. Okay. Foods on a date. I think Italian food is a good date food. Mm -hmm. um, a marinara soaked disaster to me sounds like fun. Yes, agreed. And recreating that scene in Carrie with marinara sauce on a first date seems very <laughs> fun. <laughs> um, also, yeah, I did go on a date, like a second date, and we ate sandwiches, and that was pretty hilarious. Because um, sandwiches are just like, Another, you have to open your mouth really wide. Yeah. Um, and then, I don't know, like, truly, pizza is a pretty fun one also. Yeah, pizza is great. I'd say something that I honestly, genuinely don't think is a great idea if it's, if you're, if you're put off by this happening, or some people don't have this reaction, but a lot of people who don't eat incredibly spicy food a lot, like, mm. Ugly Baby, delicious restaurant. Yes. But sometimes can give you very spicy, spicy, horrible diarrhea the next day. So if you're having, yeah. like, 
a sleepover with a new person and you don't feel like having really painful diarrhea the next morning, um, maybe avoid that, you know, like that's, yeah. and that's not meant to sound like racist or awful or like hating on all spicy. I love spicy food, but genuinely, if someone was asking my honest advice, that would be it. Um, yeah, I actually have had this experience where I, I can handle spicy food, but I went on a date and had spicy food and then my date had tummy trouble after that, which reminds me of the episode of Sex in the City. He's just not that into you. Oh, yeah. Where she's like, the guy tries to leave after their date and he's, she's like, hey, I get it. You're just not that into me. And he's like, actually, I have diarrhea. Yeah. <laughs> and then he like runs away, <laughs> runs down she's the like, street. Okay, bye. Mm, I would say... Another thing not to eat on a date is um, half-price sushi. Yeah, I'm fine with that. You think half-price sushi is good? I'm just thinking again about something that could make you feel ill, potentially. I'm not scared of getting sick at restaurants as much as other people are. Mm, Okay, and then I think um, a thing that's good to eat on a date is... An all-you-can-eat buffet because you just know what someone's really made of. <laughs> yeah, I think an all-you-can-eat buffet or also, like, um, going to the movies where they have food and eating tater tots. Although going to the movies on a very first date is also very awkward. Yeah, very awkward. And then you have to talk about the movie. Like, the worst part about that is, like, right when it ends and you have to be, like, figure out, like, do we say, did you like it? At what point do you discuss it? Because I find that to be embarrassing to do in well, general. I also feel like the weird part about going to the movies on a first date is at the end of the movie, you still know exactly nothing about this person because you sat in silence for two yeah. hours. And then you're like, hey, stranger, did you like Who Framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> Dude, do you remember when fucking... My ex boy, one of my ex boyfriends and I tried to hook you up with their friend on a blind date. Yes, I'll never forget this moment. And the person had not that there's anything wrong with this inherently, but ate two ice cream sundaes in a row next to you and didn't, but didn't like say anything else. Mm-hmm. Yes, he ordered one ice cream sundae, completed eating it, and then ordered another ice cream <laughs> sundae. We were at the movie theater also during this. Again, like there's nothing like wrong with eating two ice cream sundaes. It was just like the move of doing that kind of on a first date seemed like, like at the comfort level of someone that's been dating someone for a long time. Exactly. Which yeah. is how I think the thing is like most, I unfortunately date men usually. I feel like most men are just that comfortable all the time. And so yeah. it's good that you see that part of them early on. <laughs> that's true. That was the only date you guys ever had. Um, all right, folks. Well, happy Valentine's Day. Uh, I Instead of being a late Valentine's Day show, I like to think of it as being early for next Valentine's Day. Yes. Um, and will we have another Valentine's Day special next year? Who knows? Yeah. Who's to say? Who cares? Um, we love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And hasta la pasta, lovebirds. Goodbye. Life's a Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.